Pastor Xavier Reese encourages us to fill our minds with the things from above, no matter what. If we're not careful, then we grab our thoughts and we allow them to be dictated by our feelings, our emotions, by the world, by the enemy, by our own evil heart, rather than being sensitive to the Spirit of God that's trying to say, hey, hey, we're not sensitive to him. Paul, he's in prison. What was he doing? He was singing to Timothy. Why? The Spirit of God is ministering to him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If you've ever asked a friend, how are things, and the answer comes back, just okay under the circumstances, have you ever wanted to reply, well, what are you doing under there? Well, coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates with the life of the imprisoned Apostle Paul that if we let God's Spirit into our heart, our outlook on life gets a whole lot brighter. We'll see how in today's Simple Truth study. Let's listen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. The message is entitled, Being Grateful to God. Think about it. Paul the Apostle is in a Roman Mamertine prison, in a dungeon, with a hole in the ceiling which they lowered the prisoner, and that was the only light that came in. It was dark, damp, most likely rat-infested, and despite all of this, Paul is allowing the Spirit of God to influence his thoughts. Here we have clean sheets, air conditioning, comfortable pews, and we walk in and say, I have it so tough. Now, I don't mean to make light about the difficulties of our life. I'm just trying to put them in perspective. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, speaking of the gospel's imprisonment, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained or bound. It's interesting that Paul could have complained. Paul could have done many different things, but he didn't. And yet there, he speaks about his imprisonment, but not the word of God, the gospel. And so he wasn't caught up in himself. And so often what happens in our life, on whatever level it is, if we're not careful, then we grab our thoughts and we allow them to be dictated by our feelings, our emotions, by the world, by the enemy, by our own evil heart, rather than being sensitive to the spirit of God that's trying to say, hey, 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 trying to get our attention. And we're, and we're not even sensitive to the spirit of God. Paul. He's in prison. What was he doing? He was thinking to Timothy. Why? The Spirit of God is ministering to him. Let me read here these verses. Three through five. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul expresses here his gratefulness to God for his influence over his thoughts regarding Timothy, and he does it in three ways. In verse 3, Paul's thoughts were to pray for Timothy. So by the thoughts to pray for Timothy. Secondly, in verse 4, 
Paul's thoughts were to yearn for Timothy. And then thirdly, in verse 5, Paul's thoughts were to acknowledge true faith in Timothy. This was all done by the work of the Spirit of God as Paul is in jail waiting to be executed. Pretty heavy when you put it in this context, huh? Paul was greatly desiring to see Timothy. The phrase greatly desiring means to yearn for, to long earnestly towards. The word is used for Epaphroditus longing for the Philippians. In Philippians 2.26, remember he almost died. He was sick and they were worried about him. There's love, there's affection here. For the cravings of a newborn babe desiring the unadulterated word in 1 Peter 2.2. Same word. You see, the long years had created a close bond between these two men of love and affection. And one of the greatest things that can happen to you as a man of God is to cultivate loving relationships with other men. The relationship was like a father to a son. In fact, in this epistle, as well as in 1 Timothy, he opens up describing Timothy as his son in the faith because he came to the Lord through his ministry. Notice, secondly, that Paul was recalling the tears of Timothy. This is the work of God. Paul is not recalling his tears because he's going to die. He's recalling Timothy's tears. Once again, taking his eyes off himself in the situation. Tears are usually identified with pain and weakness, especially in men. The perception of what a man is in the world is really distorted and warped. That, in fact, prepares us for relationships that get sabotaged, both with other men and with women, because our perception is wrong. The world defines a man as one who can drink, one who can fight, one who is self-sufficient, one who can perform sexually and have notches on his belt. And that's the definition of an idiot. I used to be an idiot. The Bible gives us a definition of what a man is. One who's caring, one who's affectionate, gentle, humble, and meek. The world looks upon that as a spineless wimp. The Bible gives us the perfect picture of a man, the person of Jesus Christ. He is meek and gentle, not weak and feminine. He was a servant of all, not a doormat for all. He honored and obeyed God in everything. He wept. He loved to the point of sacrificing his life for others. Again, notice the occasion of Timothy's tears. Now, we're not told when this happened. I think the occasion could have been the most recent when Paul left for Nicopolis, where he was going to winter there. Titus 3.12 told us that. Or maybe even that he got arrested there and taken to Rome. And maybe he's making reference to that. But whatever the case may be, it was a, a departure that was painful. We all have experienced a departure like that at one time. If we're going on vacations, we don't get all teary-eyed when we get on the plane. But if we're going to be leaving for a long time or far away, or if someone's going to be leaving, say, to war, to a place of danger, there's a whole different involvement that goes on. This is, this is what's going on here. Thirdly, notice that Paul purposed that the meeting would serve to fill him with joy. The apostle was all alone again. Remember, 
lonely. The young man, Timothy, coming to Paul again would bring the satisfaction. The meeting would be the expression of agape love because in Galatians 5.22, the fruit singular of the spirit is what? Agape love. What's the first manifestation of agape love? Joy. There's not eight fruits of the spirit. It's singular. Fruit of the spirit, agape. Everything that follows it are manifestations of love. The first one being joy. So all that is going on now in the communication, all that will take place when they meet one another will be a direct result of God's spirit working in Paul, working in Timothy, and putting it together. One day David expressed his yearning love for Jonathan when he was told of his death on the battlefield with his father. And they said, Jonathan and his brothers and his father are dead. And David lamented Jonathan. He said this in 2 Samuel 1.26, quote, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. Pretty heavy words. Now, there are those who have tried to corrupt this and say that Jonathan and David have homosexual relationships. How blasphemous. And that statement, as in here with Timothy and Paul, it reveals to us the relationships that men can have with each other that are deep, honoring God, and committed in every area. Once in a while in the world, these relationships happen between father and son, between brothers, or sometimes even between two friends. But they're the exception. They're not the rule. Here he says that this can happen to the Christian. David affirms it. The Spirit of God causes us to yearn for the company of certain people with much fervent love because of the commonness that we have shared in Christ together. Look in your life as long as you've been walking. Have you built up a circle of friends in Christ? Are there certain people when, when, when you're feeling down or there are some situations that quickly come to your mind and say, and they call them up and say, listen, pray for me? That they are sort of a support to you? Or are you a lone ranger? You walk through life 5, 10, 15 years and, and you know, you're a rock. You don't need anybody. And you just come in and boom, boogie out of the church and you don't talk to anybody and you don't want to be bothered and you don't, you don't want to serve. You don't want to do nothing. Just preach your word, preacher, and leave me alone. Or are you building up a network of brothers and sisters who you're building history with through life in the spirit? Very important. The joy that is experienced is based on the common bond and benefit of both parties in the union and reunion, not one-sided. I am there for you, not for what I can get from you. And when I'm there for you, I get something in return. God ministers to me. And as I see God's faithfulness to strengthen you, then I receive hope for me if I'm ever in that position. Oh, that's good. You see? That's why the fellowship is so important, that you hang out with Christians, that you hang out with people in the church. So you become a light to those who don't have the gospel. 
So you influence them and they don't influence you. Paul was grateful to God for his thoughts to yearn for Timothy. And notice lastly, Paul's thoughts were to affirm the faith of Timothy. Great encouragement here. Notice first in verse 5, Paul was reminded of the faith of Timothy. The word remembrance speaks of an act of recollection which is excited by a person or thing, not the word in the Greek that is related to self-originated thought. In other words, this word speaks of the influence outside of Paul. Literally, having received a reminder. Now, something that perhaps Paul received a letter from Timothy, and this is the influence outside. Others think that the thoughts were maybe uh, due to something that he thought of the past, and then it brought Timothy into his mind. I choose to believe that this whole text here is speaking about the Spirit of God prompting the mind of Paul to focus on Timothy and not himself. I think this is the key to this text. It is the influence of God on Paul that this very letter was even written. The quality of Timothy's faith is described as genuine. As you know, genuine means unpretentious, unhypocritical. Faith that is actively trusting and depending on God through his word and Holy Spirit in obedience to deny self and please God and do his will. The word comes from the word for an actor on the stage. You remember some of those theater movies, they have the, the smile and the frown. And an actor would go out and put it with a stick, a mask. And the people in the theater would understand that there was a person behind the mask. And he was a hypocrite. He was an actor. And anyone who is not living what they profess to know, we call, you're a hypocrite. You're an actor. You're hiding behind a mask. You're telling me you're this and really you're not. The faith of Timothy is said to be unmasked and without hypocrisy. It was authentic. Now let me ask you, how would Paul know this? Now Paul couldn't read the heart of Timothy. You cannot read my heart. How do you know I'm real? I'll tell you how you know I'm real. You gotta spend time with me to know if I'm real. It's the only way you can know someone's real. Otherwise, Christianity is like dating. We only see each other at our best. And dating and marriage is far different, man. Let me tell you. When you get married, there's no makeup. Your breath don't always smell good. And you definitely don't wear a smile 24 hours a day. On dates, hi, hi, how are you? Good. Okay, let's go. Everything is Disneyland, man. And when you're done, you can drop your date off, and you don't have to date again if you don't want to. The faith that is genuine faith is the foundation of God's love. And the very ongoing process that ensures a continuous purging of your heart and mind regarding sin, my attitudes, and my motives, resulting in what? A good conscience. Here, Timothy stands in opposition to the opponents at Ephesus who are teaching false teaching and the people who are departing from the faith. Timothy is different. He's genuine. Are you genuine? It starts with you. It starts with me. 
Notice second here. Paul points out that the faith of Timothy was the result of godly heritage. The genuine faith first found in his grandmother Lois. This is the only place she's found. The woman is the mother of his mother Eunice. The woman was a faithful Jewess. Entrusting the scriptures to her life first, then her daughter, and now to, her, to the, her grandson. The genuine faith was found in his mother Eunice as a result of the Jewish obedience. You go back to the law. In Acts 16, we see that the Timothy had a good reputation. Her mother, his mother, had been faithful as his grandmother. It was an obedience to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11 to raise your children up in the word of God, to, to speak of them while they're sitting down, while they go to bed, when they rise up. Faithful. Ladies, you are so important at home for your children. You are irreplaceable. You are a pillar. And if you are removed from the home, your roof will collapse. You are essential for the children. Timothy had a good report of the men of Lystra because he had a godly mother at home. His father was a Greek. It's believed that he was dead at that time. Now, the two women and Timothy were probably converted through Paul's first missionary journey. Remember in chapter 14, verse 6, Paul went there. He preached the word of God. A crippled man got healed from his mother's womb, and they didn't like that, and so they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city. They're all around him looking down. They said they thought he was dead. He got up, shook himself, said, come on, let's go back in. And Timothy must have been around and said, who the heck is this guy? And he probably came to Christ in that first missionary journey because in the second one, he went with them. Notice the word dwell. It means to dwell in one and influencing that person for good. Oikos, home, in, upon, okio, to live at home. In other words, the word of God lives comfortably in Timothy. The spirit of God lives comfortably in Timothy. In fact, Romans 8, 11 says that the Holy Spirit lives at home in us that way. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 the word of God lives in us that way. Colossians 3.16, the word of God lives in us in that way. And Paul says that his confidence was that it dwelt in him, persuaded. In other words, it's in the perfect tense indicating that he was thoroughly convinced. How was he thoroughly convinced? Because he watched Timothy's life. He was a doer of the word of God. In fact, here in chapter 1, verse 12, he uses the very same word, persuaded. Listen. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am, here's the word, persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him to that day. He was thoroughly persuaded about Timothy's life. Sold out to God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God dwelling in his life, in his body. You remember Paul pleaded with Philemon to receive Onesimus, the runaway slave, how could Paul do that? Because he had confidence in Philemon. He knew Philemon, and he called him to his responsibility and to his obedience to be like Christ, to receive Onesimus, a runaway slave, now as a brother in Christ. Because Paul had preached the gospel to him when he was in prison, and he got saved. He was sending him back. Why could Paul be so confident? Because he knew Philemon, and he knew that he would obey the Spirit in the Word of God even though he had lost financial things to this runaway slave. And Paul says, if he's robbed you, put him to my account. Just like God put your sins on his account. Ooh, pretty heavy, huh? Are you open to God? 
to recall the faith of many faithful in Christ when you are down, discouraged, or do you get the Elijah complex, I, even I am the only one? I hope not. If you are, if that's your constant way to respond, then you're more of a burden to people all the time. You need to be able to allow God to build you up himself. And there will be loving brothers and sisters that come alongside, but it shouldn't be you all the time. Very important. Are you able to see the relationship of an individual's faith and their godly heritage by God working through others? You know, some of you were prayed for by your parents for years. And by God's grace, here you sit clothed and sane. And it took years of prayer, dedication, consistently praying for you while you were out in the world doing your thing. Not everybody makes it. As I've told you often, not all of our children are going to be in heaven. Not all of our husbands or wives will be in heaven. It's individual. Others of you were instructed constantly as you were growing up. You were raised in a godly home. I envy you. But at the same time, I know that God is sufficient wherever he saves somebody. But you have a greater responsibility because to those as much is given, much is required. You have had the prayers, the example, and the teaching of the word. And you must guard the deception of your own sufficiency lest you think you can get close enough to the world and not get burned. And sin suck you in. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Be careful of your own sufficiency. You get around fire too close, your lab will get burned. And though the scar will heal, it'll be nice and ugly. It'll remind you. It'll be there. Still others of you were influenced by committed persons who saw how lost you were and they invested prayer and time. And here you are. What an example to all of us to do the same thing for others that God would bring to our life by his spirit. Not because we're so good. Not because we have to do these works. If, if your service to God is a labor, then don't do it. The labor of God is of his spirit and of his love. And I do it because it's pleasurable. I don't want to do anything else. I want to stay as close to God as I can because I don't trust myself. But I can trust him. And so Paul was grateful to God for his thoughts to affirm the faith of Timothy. Quite a text. Paul thanking God for Timothy in the, this passage by expressing his gratefulness to God for his influence over his very thoughts in the prison about Timothy in these very simple three ways. By Paul's thoughts as he prayed for Timothy, by Paul's thoughts as he yearned for Timothy, and by Paul's thoughts as he acknowledged the faith in Timothy. Great things things that only the Spirit can do, things that will change your life, mine, for what God has in store. Grateful to God.
Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up the first message of our series in 2 Timothy with the life-changing perspective and encouragement for being grateful to God at the best of times and the worst of times. Now, if you've missed any part of our study from today and last time and would like to pick up your own personal copy for a more in-depth review, just contact us and request that title, Being Grateful to God. Or mention today's date, and we'll send that out on CD for just $4 to help with the production and shipping costs. That title again, Being Grateful to God. Please address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. If you're feeling that defeating our spiritual enemy seems difficult at best, be courageous and join us next time as Pastor Xavier Reese shares three steps to victory in spiritual battle. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com